Why? That can mean only one thing. That Cousin Rick is calling in from Needham, Massachusetts with Rick's Tech Talk. How are you doing, Cousin Rick? Hey. Yeah. I was wondering if you forgot about me. <laughs> I forgot something, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> anyway. So how's the weather in Needham, Massachusetts? Well, it's the kind of weather that you fled from on the East Coast. It's hot and humid. It's in the 90s with high humidity. So we're hunkering down. We're lucky to have air conditioning. Right. Well, you know, unfortunately here we had actually for a couple of days the same kind of weather. And, uh, you know, fierce thunderstorms are very unusual for here. And, and of course, unfortunately, everything in California is completely bone dry. So then, you know, we had, you know, thousands of uh, fires lit everywhere. And, uh, well, you know, it's all around us. And... uh, there's smoke in the air. It's not easy to breathe, but uh, there you go. Welcome to California. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had a, a minor drought here, but we, in the last three or four days, we've had over an inch of rain with uh, heavy thunderstorms and a lot of wind damage. Huh, yeah. Well, yeah, we could definitely use a, at least an inch of rain here, but uh, it, it's not going to happen you know, until like November, so we just have to hang in there. But uh, okay, well, do you have a right of the week for us? Oh, we have the elegant ride of the week this week. It's the BMW 840i Grand Coupe. And uh, it, it was in white, and it was uh, arrived just in time that I could take the wife out for an anniversary dinner. Of course, eating nice. outside and social distancing. Yes, very good, very good. Yes, and it's uh, it comes with the M Sport package. It has a 3-liter twin-turbo twin-turbo six-cylinder engine that puts out 335 horsepower and 368 pound-feet of torque. This engine is hooked up to an eight-speed automatic transmission. And uh, the EPA numbers on the, the specs for this car are 22 miles per gallon city, 29 highway for 24 miles per gallon combined. And the uh, it, it's a fun car to drive. It has that BMW handling. It turns flat, and it's kind of a stealth vehicle because it, it has the M Sport package, but it doesn't have the M engine. But you can still have a lot of fun driving it. Now, it was uh, built in Dingolfing, Germany, and it uh, has a German engine, German transmission. But interestingly enough, the foreign parts content, well, foreign for the U.S., only 60% of the parts for the car come from Germany. 5% come from the U.S. and Canada, and they don't tell me where the rest comes from. But the suggested retail price for the base model, if you can consider this a base model, is $84,900. But then with uh, driver assistance packages... The M uh, handling package added, which is like $4,800, and a comfort package and destination charge, it comes out to a total of $96,695. But it has some interesting technology features. Okay, like I said, it's got an eight-speed transmission. It's got dynamic stability control and dynamic traction control. You can uh, 
switch modes from an eco mode to a performance mode, change the engine and transmission matching. And what I thought was interesting, uh, safety-wise, it has seat-mounted front-side airbags, so uh, side-impact airbags. So no matter where you position the seat, the airbag is on the seat to give you the proper protection from the side. It's not in the doors. So if you were uh, moving the seat back and forth, you'd get the same protection from the side. And, uh, you know, those, those are the positive things. It, it turns nice and flat. The wife gives it a an excellent rating because a lot of times when I make a turn too fast, she's looking for a grab bar above her on the, po- on the post or on the ceiling, and the car turns so flat, she said, I didn't need, even need a grab bar, which is... Uh, not included in the car anyway. And uh, the only negatives I had with the car is, it's, uh, they call it a coupe, but it's really four doors. Most coupes are two doors. And it, uh, it says it seats five, but in the center in the back, there is a seat belt. But if anybody sat there, they'd have to sit astride a center console that's on the floor. So you'd have to sit with your legs splayed and uh, next to the two passengers on either side of you. So it seems uh, they're just saying five passengers just to increase the, the capacity there. So that's this week's Ride of the Week. All right. The Ride of the Week. Okay, now do you have any other automotive news? Oh, we have automotive news. Okay. And uh, let's see, we'll go right to the other automotive news, so I have to skip around my notes. Or do you want to do the Musk Minute first? Oh, yeah, let's go right into a Musk Minute. Okay, because that's what I was ready to do. But uh, breaking news yesterday down in Boca Chica, Texas, SpaceX did a static fire test on the latest test article of the Starship, SN6, serial number 6. So they fired this for maybe 10, 12 seconds. Now the next step would be to do another 500-foot hop with the vehicle and go up 500 feet, move over, and then land on a landing pad. And then after that, uh, they're looking maybe eventually uh, or fairly soon to do a flight to maybe five miles, and uh, actually five miles, more like uh, seven miles, sorry, 50,000 feet, and and, uh, come back down and demonstrate the landing maneuver for uh, reentry from space with the Starship. It it comes in, it's supposed to come in sideways in the upper atmosphere to dissipate the heat and energy, and then flip the tail around to do a vertical landing. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch. And then I think last week we talked about the latest Falcon 9 launching. It was the sixth launching and recovery of a Falcon 9 rocket. And, of course, Elon would have something to say, and he says there's no reason in theory that you couldn't fly it 100 times. But you never know about the... uh, the extent of the effort to refurbish these things after you get so many flights in them. It may take more to refurbish, but that's something you won't know until you 
have more flights, but at least they're looking to maybe get at least 10 out of each booster. Yeah, that and, would be good. Uh, yeah. Now, they haven't given any numbers. I haven't seen any numbers on this, but you have the cost of recovering the vehicle and you have the cost of refurbishing. And what SpaceX was saying that maybe after three launches and recoveries, you break even and then you tend to make, uh, you get the savings after three launch and recovery. All right. Well, that, that actually is, you know, pretty good. You know, so, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, solar panels, you know, <laughs> it takes a, a while to uh, uh, recoup your investment. But, uh, you know, then it's gravy. So, <laughs> Well, speaking of solar panels, yes, yes. that's one of our other uh, items here, and it's automotive related. OK, it's a company called WorkSport, and they've come up with what they call the TerraViz, a product. It's basically a tonneau bed cover for a pickup truck that's made of solar panels. And so this would, oh, it could be used to, uh, to serve to provide power to run uh, electric outlets. And if you had an electric, uh, put this on an electric truck, you could maybe get in one day of having this on there, it, it produces five kilowatt hours per day. And so that might translate into, say, roughly 15 miles of extra range during the day for an electric truck. That's if you didn't use the power to run uh, maybe power tools or whatever. So that's kind of a, an interesting development there. Yeah, nice, nice. Now, um, I've, I've seen rumors uh, online, uh, sensational rumors, about an asteroid coming close to the Earth the day before election day, do you uh, do you have a heads up on that? <laughs> okay, yeah, that uh, well, heads up or heads down. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're bouncing all over the place today. Sorry, uh, I, uh, you know, yeah, well, actually, basically, it's a it's only it's an asteroid that's maybe five or six feet across, and it's supposed to pass roughly the distance of the moon. So, and it's you know the moon is uh, even going slower than the asteroid because it's in orbit, so we don't have anything to worry about. But it, it makes for sensational headlines, which I don't think we need these days. Right. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. So, you know, so many bizarre and terrible things have been happening that uh, well, it's like, you know, anything that you, you hear, like, it's like, oh, no, not, what now? <laughs> you know, so. Well, actually, it'd be nice to see one of these things hit the moon and get an observation on uh, the, the uh, physics of uh, impact. Yeah, that's true. That would that would be interesting. Yep. And uh, I think the last time we saw that, it was back several hundred years ago when the, I believe it's the Sea of Crisis on the extreme right edge of the moon, when you look at it from Earth, was uh, some monks doing some uh, ast uh, astronomical observations saw that the moon all of a sudden had like a horn, pair of horns coming out from it. And that was what we think now is the asteroid impact to, that formed the Sea of Crisis. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, because, you know, an impact, the gravity of the moon is less. So any impact would throw debris further up and it would take longer to come down. Right. 
It's it's kind of amazing how they can piece those things uh, together in retrospect. You know? Well, those astrogeologists are uh, a clever bunch. Yeah, apparently. It also reminds what what was that again? You know, a few. It's been a number of years now, but was that also an asteroid that impacted Jupiter? There was a, what was it that? Oh, they, there was a comet. The comet. Yeah, yes, yeah. the comet that uh, it actually broke up before it impacted Jupiter, and uh, there were some very good pictures obtained of that. You could see like a dark spot where it entered the atmosphere. All right, yeah, you might might want to check that out online. Okay, uh, any other uh, tech news you have for us today? Well, we got more news from NASA, okay? And, uh, you know, NASA has a program where they develop technology, then they spin it off and partner with uh, commercial and other institutions to uh, develop products from space technology and to get input on products that can be used in space development, and they've just announced their commercial invention of the year, which is called the RoboGlove, and uh, it was developed between Johnson Space Center and General Motors, and uh, it's not like the flying glove in Yellow Submarine, which is another obscure cultural reference, but the the RoboGlove, it's basically an exoskeleton glove that it gives a power assist to the worker who's wearing it to give them a a more of a grip on tools and it allows them to work for more extended periods or it uh, alleviates some of the physiological problems with repetitive motion. And so it can give a worker, say, uh, 15 to 20 pounds of extra force for normal work and even up to 50 pounds in a burst. And so that that this way you end up using a lighter grip, which is less strain on muscles and uh, ligaments and so on. And uh, they're, they're looking at this also for astronauts to work in space, which... When you work in a spacesuit, the thing is pressurized, and it's hard to just move the glove. But with a, a robo glove, then it would it would alleviate, alleviate strain on their hands and gripping objects. And that that's actually being developed by a Swedish company called, and it's called the Iron Hand. And it comes from a, a Swedish company development developing it is. BioServe Technologies. Hmm, very interesting. I guess b- better the iron hand than the iron fist. Though. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, maybe that's not the, the <laughs> name they should have used. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, anything else you have for us today? Well, more news from NASA, and it's automotive. So, so how's that for a, a segue there? Okay, and... Uh, NASA was looking to, uh, they're looking to develop uh, lubricants for use in space. And one of the, uh, the spin-offs that a, a graduate student, Ph.D. candidate, came up with was uh, using what he calls nanoparticles as lubricant. And you can use this in uh, internal combustion engines also to 
help alleviate wear on the parts that rub together, like uh, cylinder oil and so on. And basically, they're ceramic nanoparticles that has a they have a sticky side and a lubricant side, and the sticky side six sticks to voids and irregularities in a surface that eventually repairs it and smooths it out that you get uh, reduced friction from the surface after it when when it wears you get increased friction but this fills the the holes and the cracks and smooths things out and uh, he's come up with a company called Tribotex and they've come up with an oil additive that uses this technology and uh, they're testing it out, uh, especially in, in diesel trucks, where, uh, you know, if you can cut your costs and increase your mileage even just a little bit, you save a lot. And, uh, you know, truckers can save a significant amount of money. So that uh, that's our automotive and NASA news for the week. Yeah, very good. Now, now is that a wrap or do you have anything else? Well, we've gone far and wide today. I'm glad we could get together. I am, too. So, uh, you know, let's do it again next week. All right. So that was Cousin Rick calling in from Needham, Massachusetts, with Rick's Tech Talk, the regular feature of the Newtopian Dream.